Welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Harless. This is the podcast where we recap the fiction story of Magic the Gathering and add our own flavor text, speculation, and reactions. We are currently in season three, where we are talking about the story of Phyrexia All Will Be One. In today's episode, we will be covering one of the side stories for All Will Be One called A Hollow Body by Aisha Farah. Join us as we head into the multiverse. Carlos, the first thing I noticed about this story is that it's in the second person perspective. Yeah, so this is different from any story we've read on the podcast up to this point, and it immediately captures your attention. The entire story is written to you, the reader, instead of they or them, and it opens with a single line. The dross pits stink. So I just want to say, reading this story for me felt very, as you said, unique. We haven't read a story like this in in the Magic Story podcast yet, and the you perspective did something pretty special for me where because it was in the you perspective, we are suddenly forced to become that character. And this character is a Phyrexian, by the way. So you are suddenly inside the mind of a Phyrexian and you is so demanding. The second person perspective is so demanding. You can't help but be that person. And so I'm going to read to you the very first lines of this story so that you can kind of get a sense of what I'm talking about here. You stand at the base of the vault, staring up the steaming shaft wall. You can smell the necrogen from here at the Basilica's summit. Little eddies of it swirl above you like figures beckoning you up. Movement between the spheres is heavily monitored, but this shaft is far enough on the outer reaches that no one will be watching, at least no one with a hope of stopping you. You spread your wings, relishing the pull in your shoulders as your body does what it is made for. A few flaps are enough to propel you up into the shaft, splitting the necrogen clouds, leaving a trail in your wake. Nothing challenges you though a couple skitterlings cling to the slick walls turn to you with rumbling growls that quickly become pathetic screams as you separate their heads from their bodies with a sweep of your spear. You smell the spill of their fluids as it rains down to the sphere below, back to where your superior waits for news of your success. So to recap, you are a giant Phyrexian with massive wings and are clearly very powerful because of that one line, at least no one with the hope of stopping you. So immediately we know that you are kind of a powerful beast. Very powerful. And, yeah. and has this spear, like you come across these little skitterlings and they don't stand a chance. And you also don't have remorse. You don't have regret you don't have hesitation you just do and and so to to your point Harless, it just clearly you are this very powerful phyrexian you go to your superior and bow your head saying nothing as you wait for your directive but before we continue with the story natalie can you tell us what the art of ixhel looks like so you 
Ixel are a very tall Phyrexian with multiple limbs. So you have two legs, but multiple arms. And your head is almost in this anvil shape. You are mostly white and red with kind of this sinewy sort of muscle around you. You have this long tail and you have these wings that are massive. They are bigger than you are, but they it's almost like looking into bone marrow where there's holes in them. They're not fully solid, but they are just massive and they kind of spiral around you in this elegant sort of helix And you wield this spear taller than you are that has this very elegant sort of point. um, And the the art is just magnificent of who you are, Ixel. So this is when we realize that you, Ixel, are kneeling before your superior. And that superior is Atraxa. Oh, Atraxa. I remember her from seeing Atraxa in the last episode, she had appeared briefly to fight against Urabrask's rebellion, and that happened in the Dross Pits. If you remember, that was the episode where Jace was going to rescue Vraska in that Coliseum in the Dross Pits. And that was the last time we only saw her briefly, but that was when we saw Atraxa. That's right. So now we learn Atraxa is called the Grand Unifier and is the reason for which you, Ixel, draw breath. Atraxa asks if you know of the traitor Geth, and you bow your head but say nothing. Of course you know about Geth, you think to yourself. Everyone knows of the Lich, the tainted Phyrexian with the incomplete head, an unclean mark on spotless linen. You are then given a directive by Atraxa. You are to seek out Geth and bring his head to Atraxa. It will be done, you say, and then I foresee no difficulties. Atraxa responds. No, she says. You wouldn't, would you? You are my most perfect creation. So Atraxa made Ixel? Yes, so Ixel is in fact Atraxa's creation. But you, Ixel, are feeling things. And that's really interesting. So here's what happens next. I'm going to read you this passage. Atraxa reaches for you, and you quickly drop your eyes back to the bloody red of the carpet. Her fingertips caress your cheek, and you feel a brief flare of something inside you, where a lesser creature's heart might be. It's something beyond loyalty beyond the just desire to spread the machine orthodoxy across the multiverse. You ignore it and hope it goes away. So far, it always has. Whoa, so that's really different for a Phyrexian. Phyrexians are kind of inherently unloving creatures because all they care about is spreading the glory of Phyrexia. So any love they can show can easily be called out as manipulation. But Ixel is feeling love for another being. You, Ixel, make your way to Geth's fortress. You find that it's blocked by a cliff of shining black rock. You don't want to waste time climbing over it, and you don't want to announce your presence by flying above it, but you're still a long way from a last resort. You step closer and see the outline of a gate. Instead of any lock or door handle, you instead find a row of rounded impressions arrayed in a fan-like shape at shoulder height. You press your palm onto one and it makes a tone. You step back then press the impression again, which emits the same tone. So essentially you've come to this like big wall where there's like kind of the etching of an outline of a door and there's all these little impressions. And as you push on them, they're making tones, but you can't really make any sense of it yet. A voice from behind you says, You have to press them in the right order. 
You wheel around and pin a man against the ground, squeezing his neck. The man simply says back, please, and folds under your gaze. He tells you he is Balaxis, and he doesn't want to die. You ask why? I love Balaxis's reply here. He says, right, that's a good question. Philosophical. And then Balaxis turns it back around on you and says, why don't you want to die? And you really consider this question and you know what the correct answer is. You know that the answer should be that any individual holds no value. And so why should you fear death? And to quote the story, every life in every sphere exists purely to spread the truth of phyrexia across the multiverse. There is no other reason to be alive. Still, the thought unsettles something in the core of you. You try to evaluate why. And then you finally reply, because I am needed. And I just love that Balexis replies with just this, wow, you're pretty full of yourself sort of response. It just made me <laughs> chuckle. Anyway, again, with Excel being introspective and just very unphyrexian in, in this moment, too. Absolutely. And Balaxis tells you that you can't kill him because he has a contract with Geth. And according to the man, Lord Geth saves people with his deals. And these deals typically involve protection. So apparently Balaxis was saved from the Hunter's Maze, which was one of the levels that our planeswalkers got to bypass because of that tunnel that Mirrodin had secured for them. And now he guards this gate for Lord Geth. You ask, if I kill you, will the gate open? Brutal, like super calculated. Okay, that's just Phyrexian. Like the exactly. Excel, you, Ixel, are just being a Phyrexian in this moment. But the man tells you the door is a puzzle that you have to solve in order to open. Turns out he can help you. Together, you press the impressions in the right order, and the gate opens. Though Balaxis has piqued your curiosity, you move on through the gate to find Geth. So, Harless, here, can we read Exel's inner monologue here? Yeah, so as Ixel is like moving through the gate and going on to find Geth and leaving Balaxis behind, you, Ixel, are thinking to yourself, strange, strange how these half-creatures' minds work, binding themselves to a monstrous, blasphemous creature for nothing but the promise of the continuity of their own worthless lives. You can't fathom it. The only reason to exist is to spread perfection across the multiverse. If you can't do that, why wouldn't you allow yourself to be taken apart? to be completed into something that can. So much contemplation. You don't meet much resistance as you make your way to Geth's fortress, which isn't guarded, nor does it have a puzzle. You enter and step into a throne room, which enrages you. How dare he compare himself to the mother of machines? You call out, fool, lich, abomination. Where are you? And a voice responds, you're smaller than I thought you'd be. You turn and strike Geth with your spear, but the clash is enough to send shocks all the way down to the core of you. So Harless, can you describe Geth here before we go any further? Yeah, so Geth is kind of horrifying, actually. So Geth is this like big, many-limbed, crab-looking thing with these arachnid legs, and he has his human head still, and he is completely completed except for his head. Only his head is still organic. In fact, you call it an ugly rotting thing in the center of an otherwise serviceable body. You hate it more than you'd hated Balaxis because at least that wasn't his fault. 
See, Geth had actually insisted on keeping a portion of him uncompleted. He had refused to completely submit. And honestly, he kind of looks like a giant crab with a human head, and it's deeply unsettling. His Very unsettling. Body, the, yeah. The art is just, it kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> yeah, and his crab-like body is metal and is so tough that your spear is actually having trouble getting through it. And then he says to you, I assume mother has finally sent you for my head. She does so hate it. And you reply, it's disgusting. It becomes you. And here's more emotion. Here's this like anger. Yeah, right? you have anger and disgust when you shouldn't. You are a Phyrexian and it, it, having individual thoughts like that, having opinion, that is not Phyrexian. No. And so it's so fascinating to be a Phyrexian in this moment, but an individual Phyrexian. It's just so unique. It's like, it's, I love this story for that, for that alone. Okay. So Geth calls you a foot soldier, which makes you just glow with rage. You remind yourself that this doesn't matter, that you don't matter. The two of you begin to fight and it becomes clear pretty quick that you're a little rusty. Geth even accuses you of, quote, fighting things that don't fight back. You're able to hold your own, though, even though he is right. You've gotten used to fighting incomplete enemies. You realize that you can't parry his blows and you switch tactics to start avoiding them altogether. But he is gaining on you. The floor is really slippery and you curse yourself for not making him face you in the sky where you could have used your wings. Geth says, no wonder you're weak. None of you understand the victory born out of true struggle, the struggle to survive. I know what really makes a warrior is the knowledge that if you lose, you die. Not that if you lose, there will be thousands of faceless others to take your place. Your ubiquity makes you weak. He says that if you truly, so here he says that if you truly believe the Phyrexian philosophy, you should just lay down arms and die. You'll be replaced. You don't matter. You're just one brick out of a thousand. And this is pretty much what you had discussed with Balaxis at the gate. And you wonder if they conspired together, if Geth had been warned that you were coming. But it doesn't matter. In a rush, Geth pins you to the wall with his pincher. He asks you, when you win, what will hold your people to you? When you spread yourself across the multiverse, when you've burned down the rest of the world, what will you have to sustain you beyond your orthodoxy? The love of that strange, harsh mother? And this, Geth's words right now, really hits home for you. You wonder, what do I have to live for? Why do I exist? With a hard scream of rage, you drag your throat along the blade, opening it up in a wash of hot blood and oil. Wrenching yourself out of Geth's grasp, you bring down your blade in a single stroke, parting his head from his body. You catch it, your voice gurgling in your ruined throat. And Ixhel, you are so angry that your time here has left you with so many questions that you know you shouldn't be asking. And honestly, you just can't help but feel pure rage. Maybe that's why you do what you do next. This fool, this monster, he doesn't deserve the ease of death. You hate him. You hate him. And yet, as your throat knits itself closed, you feel the give of the flesh beneath your fingertips, the dully glowing eyes going cloudy. They are almost beautiful now, beautiful like the gleam of green and silver around vulnerable flesh. Geth's head gibbers with words you deem as little more than nonsense. What he could have been if he'd only submitted, if he'd only realized the truth, 
maybe in this, you can help him. So you fly over to something called the Domini of Pain. You don't know much about it, but you know that you can use it for your purposes. And so here's a quote from the story. A piercing wail rings out across the wastes as you pin the writhing body in your arms down onto a razor-tipped spoke on the Dominus's east side. Bright blood gleams dark in the cold necrogen light. It's impossibly warm on your hands. Why? croaks Balaxis. The aspirant's back arches in a perfect, clean line. The bone spur protrudes from his abdomen, whiter than even his incomplete flesh. Why? His voice cracks. I helped you. Your fingers move down to cup his chin, pulling him up. His face is twisting, eloquent with pain, shaking with it. His body, covered in soft, violable skin, feels so much more than yours. I know, you say, as you watch him writhe. And I'm grateful. Yikes. Like, all I can say to that is, yikes. Like, that is so brutal and intense. And you can see that all these emotions that are swirling around in Ixhel and these people who just poked at that bear really just pushed you, Ixhel, to your edge. <sighs> and you were like, I've done. And you decided that this was your course of action. I, I'll be perfectly honest with everyone out there. I struggled to read that whole passage. I'm, I'm, I'm sure after editing, it will not come off that way. But... Wow, I had to take so many pauses reading that. Heartless can confirm. It it was it was brutal to read and I just there were several times where I just like was covered in goosebumps just because and I think because in this moment because you are Excel quite literally in the narration in the story itself, I kept thinking what am I doing? What am I doing when I was Excel? Yeah. It's hard to read because it's very violent, but it also, like I said, like it's hell has been pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and then this happens. Okay. Okay. So next you head to the surgical bay where you spend the next few days watching your new creation being made. At the end of the process, you stood looking at your creation, a strange feeling welling up inside you. Not dissimilar to the experience of tearing an enemy limb from limb. Except this time, you have made something. You bring it home to Atraxa. Atraxa is elegant and upright. The ideal Phyrexian. The grand unifier. The perfect weapon in battle. She brings life to the machine orthodoxy. She spreads the glistening oil across the multiverse. She is the only true voice you will ever answer to. And now she looks upon what you have brought with her with such disdain. You feel like the plane has cracked open. So Atraxa asks you what you have done. And you tell her you only wanted to make something like Atraxa made you. But Atraxa reminds you that you were made to be a weapon. You know, you tell her. You just thought, you thought, she snaps. And she tells you to get rid of it. You tell her it has a name. That name is Vishgraz. She doesn't care. You are to get rid of your creation. And beside you... A familiar voice begins to laugh and says, did you expect anything different? And for the first time, since you dropped your eyes in the face of your commander, you look at him. That face, once enraging, now fills you with a mysterious fondness. It's unrecognizable, covered by the hard plating of completion, but you know what lurks beneath it. The traitor's head you held in your hands, 
arachnid legs sprout from a bulbous body made powerful with silver and green plating. The piercing green of his eyes hold none of their previous owner's liveliness and none of the anguish. Two of those limbs were once delicate wings of white and red bone. The place where you took it from your own back still flares with a hot ache. Oh, no wonder Atraxa was furious. You, Ixhel, gave your wings to Vishgraz. So you had decimated yourself in order to do this creation. And the the wings, your wings of Ixhel were your strength. That was where your power resided. And that was where your advantage came from, is that you could fly. You were a Phyrexian who could fly. No wonder Atraxa was so furious. And Vishgraz is terrifying, by the way. He's terrifying to look at. If you're a visual person, I'm going to kind of describe to you a little bit about what Vishgraz looks like. He he almost has this centipede-like body with these crab-like legs, so definitely took after Geth in that creation. And it is this mix between this almost insect, insect-like insect green with this a greenish kind of shiny plating with the fair basilica's red and white marble. So it's like every leg is alternating in this green insect plating and then one with like this beautiful marble red. And you can tell that's kind of uh, taken inspiration from Ixel. And then there's this torso that sprouts from the top of the centipede-like body with these almost... I'm going to compare it to a praying mantis where it has like these praying mantis-like claws out front and then these spiny, thorny shoulders with this head with spines and, and thorns sticking out of it. And the weapon that Vishgraz wields is just this... It, it's, it's, a, it's a mockery of a spear. It is a very horrifying-looking spear, but it's more of like a pincer up at the top. It's just... All of it is just a horror to look upon. And this creature asks you what you thought would happen. And you start to respond, I wanted, you begin. But wanting was your failure in the first place. And to yourself, you think of all the reasons you could give him, that you wanted to save them, that giving him completion was something that it was a gift. But truthfully, you don't know why, but you just didn't want either of them to disappear. To Vishgraz, you say, I wanted to save you. Saved. He asks and tells you that he can feel his body aching to tear itself apart. He says he can feel the disparate parts of all the things he used to be. You lead him away. You take him back to the dross pits and tell him to go. He asks you to come with him, but you say no. Vishgraz takes an unsteady step towards you. You know, Ixel. I know that you do. They claim to read the stars, to know that the multiverse is meant to come under Phyrexian rule. The harmony of completion will spread and spread, and that is good and right. Another step. But you know all of that is ashes. You, your people, everything you have set yourselves to do, all of it exists at the whim of a tyrant. You should deny it. You say nothing. Your machine orthodoxy means as much as my contracts. You aren't him, you growl. Then what am I? You stare at the fractured ground. 
You are my first defiance. Now go. After he leaves, you stand there a while. Deep in the center of you is an ache that wishes to follow him. But you don't. For now. Ah, uh, it's so good. This, this whole story. I mean, I'm just, I am blown away yet again that magic is able to do this, that magic story is able to do this, where this feels a similar vibe of when we got behind Tezzeret's perspective for the first time last season. And we were suddenly in New Phyrexia behind enemy lines and we got to see Elish Norn and we got to see Tezzeret's motivation and where it's it's not so black and white as we think. And it's not about good and evil necessarily because we got to see a personality behind a Phyrexian, a very powerful Phyrexian, no less, in Ixel. And it you you can't help but feel with Ixel. Maybe it's because of the you perspective too, but wow, it 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 just it blows me away again over the fact that the Phyrexians don't get me wrong. What the Phyrexians are doing is not good. I, I am not cheering for the Phyrexians. Of course, I am cheering for our Planeswalkers. But it just goes to show that it is more complicated than what it appears to be. Being a Phyrexian is not as simple as that. And it makes me wonder what, you know, our former friends must be feeling, what Ajani must be feeling in the Phyrexian mindset, where is he going through something similar as Ixhel, where fighting for his humanity underneath it all. It just, I, I loved this story for that reason, because it made me think. Yeah. To me, the biggest takeaway is that maybe there's some human in Phyrexians after all. I mean, Ixel was created by Atraxa and maybe, so maybe Atraxa felt an emptiness too and needed a sense of purpose. And that's why Atraxa created Ixel. But overall we see Ixel, you questioning everything. And I love this as a juxtaposition in Cinders, which is the first side story that we covered this season, where we see the Mirren Resistance and we see one of the followers of that Mirren Resistance really give into this and go over to Phyrexia. And then we're seeing Phyrexians kind of feeling the opposite way. And yeah. we already know that Phyrexians are capable of rebellion because we've seen Urabras, yeah, right? And Urabras' literal rebellion. So... It's just interesting because up until really this, this arc of stories, I had not thought that the Phyrexians could be this complex. I thought that they were just so wiped clean of anything human that they were just mindlessly, blindly following. But it sounds like it's a little, like you said, a little bit more complicated than that. Absolutely. It's just, it's, it's so... It's so complicated. Like you said, I, I, I'm not sure I have another word for it. It's just hearing these sort of perspectives, it, it, it really makes me wonder. It really makes me wonder whether there's something like that that is a compulsion behind Elish Norn. And we haven't quite seen Elish Norn yet in this, in this season. I know we will. I know that she has to pop up eventually. I mean, the the planeswalkers are literally going to her doorstep. So right. we're going to see Elish Norn. But what is Elish Norn's deep down? Is, is she is she having a conflict? Is she having an an internal dialogue within herself in a similar way that Ixel was? Who created Elish Norn? And 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 
you know, what, what sort of defiance must she be going through? There has to be a compulsion there. And, or is Ixhel just unique? Is Ixhel right. one of a million? And that most Phyrexians don't, don't feel that. Uh, it, it's just, it, like I said, it really makes me think over what must be going on within the minds of Phyrexians. And it, it must be, there must be some sort of existential understanding in some capacity, but you fight it and, and, and that internal conflict within yourself. I, I wonder if that is what it means to be a Phyrexian. You know, we don't actually have insight into what Ixhel was created from, right? Because Phyrexians are completed, they're created. But it's so fascinating too, because in Cinders, we hear Nayali kind of saying, is there enough left of yourself to basically be horrified by what you're becoming when you become completed? And this story gives me hope that that is true. I mean, hope is a strong word because that sounds horrifying to be cognizant while this is happening, while your body is being forced to carry out these like acts and inside you're just, as she calls it, screaming. But, you know, is it possible for you to hold on to a little bit of yourself there. So that's that's really interesting to me. So I guess we'll see what happens with that. We'll just have to wait and find out. <laughs> As always, you can find these stories and more on mtgstory.com. Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks for joining us in the multiverse and have, have a, a magical, magical day. day.